We started a uh, series last week, and we began to, to look at how that as a believer, that at some point we need to begin to move to that of a disciple. And, and that when uh, Jesus said in the Great Commission, he said, um, I need you to make disciples. And in, in order for us to, to make disciples, we have to become one ourselves. Now, there, there are plenty of believers in the world, but there's not many disciples. There's a big distinction. Uh, James said that, that I know you believe, and, and so do the demons. Survey will tell you that nine out of ten people in America believe in God. But I can tell you that the way that our nation looks, it doesn't look like that 90% are devoted followers of Christ. You see, there's a difference. And last week we began to look at the first thing that we needed to do and that we need to understand is that we have to become passionately committed to Him. Not living by convenience, but by conviction. And we looked at the things that we needed to do in order to move from a believer to a disciple. And how that if we were going to do that, that it was going to take some commitment on our part. And that we had to start living intentionally and not just letting things come to us, but being committed to Him with everything that we have. This week, we're going to look at the second part of a six-week series. Sensitive and submitted to the Holy Spirit. Sensitive and submitted to the Holy Spirit. As Nick was singing, we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus the Son. And we believe in the Holy Spirit. Many people were raised not to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because he's too controversial. Some of us were raised in a situation that we were raised around Pentecost. And it was a little bit too much craziness, just for me to be blunt. And so we shied away from speaking about and talking about the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, He said, it is better that I go away. Because if I go away, I will, he will, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor. Jesus is saying, it's more important that you have the Holy Spirit here on earth than me. You see, because the Holy Spirit live, can live in all of us. He can be everywhere. If When Jesus walked this earth, in order to get touched or counseled or helped by Jesus, you had to go to where He was or He had to come to where you were. But Jesus says, I need to go away. I believe the most important message to the unbeliever is Jesus. But the most important message to the believer is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can help move you from a believer to a disciple. Look what he said in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. He said, don't be drunk with wine, 
Because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we read that verse, and many of us, we stop right here. Don't be drunk with wine. But what is Paul really saying here? What is he really saying? Why did he say, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why did he make that distinction? Why did he compare the two? I believe this is saying that you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. And the choices you make, make you. Let me say that again. The choices that you make, the choices that I make, they make us. Do you want to be a believer? Or do you want to move to a disciple? You have a choice to make. Do you want to be filled with something that is natural? Or do you want to be filled with something that is supernatural? Something that is man-made or something that is God-given? Do you want to be filled with something that impairs your life? Or do you want to be filled with something that enhances your life? This is a choice that you have to make and to determine what you're going to be filled with. For you to be filled with Him, for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to make room for Him in your life. Many people are filled to such a place of excess with something natural. And they make no room for Him. You can't be filled with the Spirit if you're filled with yourself. You can't be filled with the Spirit if you make no room for Him. You can't ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you and to direct you when you're full of yourself. So in order for me, for me to be filled with the Spirit, I have to empty myself of me. That's hard, isn't it? Empty myself of, of my ways of thinking. Empty myself of my way of living. To realize that His ways are higher than my ways. That His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. We have to make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have to make room for the Holy Spirit in our services. We have to allow Him to speak to us. We can't go through our day and fill our day with so much natural things with just consumed with us. There are times that something can happen. Something bad happens. Somebody pulls out in front of you in, in traffic. And a little bit of yourself wants to rise up. You know who is it that, that convicts you of that? That speaks to you and says, don't act that way? That reminds you that you have a Gateway Church sticker on your back window? It's the Holy Spirit. We have to make room for him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to natural. 
I look at this, spiritual being spirit-filled, natural being self-filled. And how that we invite Him into our lives and how we make room for Him in our lives will determine whether we can move from a believer to a disciple. If your life is filled with all your stuff, there's no room for Him. But we have to come to a point that we're willing to empty me of me. We have to say, Holy Spirit, I am emptying me of me so I can be filled with you. You see, being a disciple means emptying yourself of yourself. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, we mentioned that verse. When it said, be filled, you know what the Greek means? It means continual replenishment. It's not a one-time deal. In Acts, we read how that they were continually filled. Why is that? Why do they have to continually be filled? Why did he say be filled continually with the Spirit? I believe it's because they were having to constantly empty themselves of themselves. How many people know that that it's very easy to become self-centered? Very easy. We live in a very self-centered, selfish society. And we're all part of it. But there's times in our life that, that there's some of me rises up. And when me rises up, it pushes the Holy Spirit out. And we start thinking our thoughts and our ways. Less of me means more of Him. This morning I want to look at four aspects of what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. The first thing is the Holy Spirit guides us. He guides us. John chapter 16 verse 13 says this. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. It says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. We can receive His way of thinking. God needs to empty us of our religious ways of thinking. The way that I look at favor and the way that I look at God's love for me, it's very easy to think, well, well, okay, on Monday God loves me, but I messed up today, so now God doesn't love me. And then we... Okay, it's, it's Friday, I'm feeling good. Or it's Sunday morning, I'm feeling good. God loves me. I got up and came to church. And if we live our life that way, it will drive us crazy. It's like a roller coaster ride. Because we think in our heart that, that we aren't in favor with God. And we do crazy religious things in order to get us into God's heart. And we believe that we can earn the favor of God. We have an enemy. It's the devil. The Bible tells us that that he roams about the earth seeking whom he may devour. Do you know what another name for the devil is? The father of lies. He wants to fill your mind with lies. He wants to fill your your mind with false thinking. 
And what happens is, is that he fills our lives with so, our minds with so many lies that there is no room for the truth. But the Bible tells us when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. In other words, those lies that the enemy puts in your mind, if you allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak into your life, he will allow you to know that God loves you. He will allow you to know the truth of who you are and what you have rights to. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, can I tell you who you are? You're a child of God. But the devil is relentless to tell us every time that we fall. Every time that we mess up. And he says, you don't deserve God's love. We've lost his favor. Is what he tries to tell us. But the familiar parable of the prodigal son, when he had left and he had failed, he came back. And what did he tell the dad? He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And so many people, so many believers, when they mess up, they give up. I have watched so many people that that come into a relationship with Christ. And then they think that they have to be perfect. And they believe. And so then when they mess up, they have no idea what the true love of God is like. Because their conscience is what we call it. But it's the enemy. And he speaks to them. And he says, you're not worthy of God's love. So many believers, when they fall, they fall away. And then they stay away. Because their hearts and their minds cannot fathom a God that will still love them even when they mess up. How important is it in our lives to have the Holy Spirit constantly reminding us of the truth of who we are and what we have rights to because we are a child of God. It's so important that that Jesus needed it. He needed to be guided into all truth. If we look at Luke chapter 3 verse 22. It says, and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son. He said, this is who you are. You're my beloved son. And he said, you have my favor. In you, I am well pleased. And when you take that step to follow Christ, you become a child of the king. And he is pleased. He is pleased. And sometimes what happens is, is that it's hard to to differentiate earthly relationships to a heavenly relationship. Because there are people in our lives that when we mess up, they walk away from us. When we make a mistake, they turn their back on us. There's people that all your life you've been kicked around. You've been messed around. You've searched your whole life looking for love. And you were walking this, this path with, and you mess up. And people walk away from you. Can I tell you that when you become a child of God, that He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is there for you. And He loves you. His love is never ending. But with earthly relationships, when you... You ever had those kind of people in your life 
that you can gauge what kind of mood that they're in just by making eye contact with them. And if it looks like they're in a bad mood, if you come home and your spouse is slamming cabinets, throwing pots, kicking the dog, It's like, oh man, I just got a call. I got to go back to work. Better yet, I'm going to go out and mow the grass. <laughs> Honey, it took you six hours to mow the grass. Just want to make sure it's right, babe. But there's people that we always have to guess what kind of mood that they're in. You don't have to do that with God. You can go boldly before Him. And you know that He loves you. And the Holy Spirit will remind you and guide you into all truth. How important is it? Listen, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, in Luke chapter 4, verse 3, He said, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God. So he looks at Jesus and he said, if you really are, if you really are who that you say that you are. He was trying to make him doubt of who he was and what he had rights to. And I can guarantee if the, if the enemy throws this at Jesus, he's throwing it at us. Every time we miss a service, every time that we mess up, mess up every time that we miss a devotional, Every time that we, we say something or, or do something that we shouldn't do, He's throwing it at us. When the son came back, he said, I, I'm no longer a son. Just make me a slave. Just put me over here in this house. Don't put me in the main house. But the father said, that's nonsense. I love you. You're my son. And this is what you have rights to. And he threw the biggest party that they'd ever seen. Secondly, the Holy Spirit will change us. He will change us from the inside out. Can I tell you, no matter how hard you try, you can't change yourself. I mean, I am grateful for determination. I am grateful for, for all the self-help books and there's a place for steps. But we can't change ourselves. Over the last couple of months, God has really been dealing with me over this. And I believe that, that, he, that, that God told me that we need more than willpower. But we need transforming power. There are people that, that come through those doors and they want to change. And they try to do it everything on their own, in their own power. And they make up their mind, this is what I'm going to do. But they never really have an encounter with God. And if you're living as a believer, you're going to struggle to change yourself and you're going to give up. 
all the self-help books and all the, the therapy. We need the transforming power of God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to, to break the chains that bind us. I've met people who've tried to change themselves. And what happens is, they'll be doing good for a week, and then they'll have a bad three days. And then they'll have a good four days, and then they'll have a bad month. It doesn't have to be like that. The Holy Spirit wants to come in and to change you from the inside out. Jeremiah chapter 13 verse 23 says this, Can a leopard change its spots? What's the answer to that? No. A leopard cannot change its spots. Why? Because it's in his DNA. It's in his DNA to have spots. Well, can I tell you that it's in our DNA to fall short? It's in our DNA to sin. But the Holy Spirit can give us a DNA transfer. I mean, I know people have changed. I can look throughout this congregation, and if we had time, I could allow people to tell their stories of where they were and where they are today. And they will tell you that it was only by God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit that they are walking and the way that they're walking right now. The stories that I get to hear as pastor are phenomenal. And they remind me that God is a life in the life-changing business. And they got to a point where it took humility to humble themselves and to realize, I can't do this on my own. It took them being sensitive and submissive to the Holy Spirit. They said, I need help to be changed. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24 says this, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. He said, renew your thoughts. Renew your attitude. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to change you from the inside out. Stop responding the way that the world responds. It's in our DNA. To respond in ways... That's not pleasing to God. But he said, put on a new nature. Put on the nature that was created to be like God. Allow the Holy Spirit to work into your life and to speak truth and to guide you and to change you. There's some of you here, you, you, you identify with what I'm talking about right now. You've had things in your life that you have struggled with. Continually. The Holy Spirit can change it. In a moment. If we allow Him to work in our lives. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit will lead us. He will lead us. 
God has your best interest at heart. And one of the qualities of a disciple says, you, God, you choose the path, and I'll follow. A believer says, God, this is where I am. This is where I'm going. Come bless it. So one of those is self-filled, and one of those is spirit-filled. One is a believer, and one is a disciple. A believer will say, this is what I want. This is where I want to live. This is what I want to do. A disciple says, God, I'm going to take your path, and it might not be comfortable, and it may not make sense to the world, but I'm going to do what it is that I feel that you've spoken in my life to do. I submit myself to you. A long time ago, probably 2001, 2002, we were youth pastoring at a church here in town. It's what I went to school for. We were volunteering our time. We were having to, I was working other jobs. And, and you know, the enemy spoke to me. The enemy can speak to you. And he said, you need to get out of here. They don't appreciate you. You need to leave this place. And I had a very dear friend call me from another state. And he said, listen, I'm looking to hire a youth pastor. We're a growing church. We're running almost 500 now. Come be my youth pastor. You come up and interview. First downfall, it was near Columbus. I couldn't have handled all that scarlet and gray. But seriously, so here I begin to think, that's what I went to school for. I can do it and nothing else. I can quit teaching computers and I can quit dealing with crazy people. Just get a new set of crazy people. And as I began to pray about it and we began to talk about it, the Holy Spirit said, don't even go interview. Don't go up there. You need to stay right where you are. And I'm thinking, it doesn't make any sense. People would jump at this opportunity. I called my friend. I said, listen. I said, I know it doesn't make any sense. But I can't leave here. He said, well, how much are you making? I said, nothing. He said, I, it, I, I think you said nothing. I said, yeah, that's what I said. Nothing. He said, did I tell you that we're a growing church and, we have, and that we're going to pay X amount? Yeah, I just can't do it. I'm not even going to interview. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But it is written, I has not seen, nor his ear has heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You see, God had something prepared for me. And he knew that almost 20 years down the road that I would be standing in a an old Baptist church built in 1925, ministering to a great group of people who's going to change this community. But I can promise you, if I would have allowed myself 
You know what happened? That pastor left there in a matter of a couple of years, went and pastored a huge church in Tampa, in which that his youth pastor that went after I didn't go went with him. What I'm saying is I would be on the beach somewhere. but it wouldn't have been God's plan. And it took everything within me listening to the Holy Spirit to say no. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. I use this verse to my friend. I say, well, you must be natural. Because you think I'm a fool. It, It says, nor can he know them because they are not spiritually discerned. So many times in our life we make natural decisions and we get burned. Oh yeah, take that job promotion. Do you realize how much more money it is? Now never mind the fact that you're not gonna have time to breathe. We make natural decisions. We get burned. You see, a self-filled man cannot figure out the Spirit-filled life. The Holy Spirit sees things that you don't see. He knows things that you don't know. He knows what God has prepared for you in your life. And He's saying, you just got to listen to me. Listen to what I'm speaking to your heart. We have to submit and we have to follow to Him even when it doesn't make any sense to people around us or even to us. He said, listen to me speak. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit helps us. How many people love a little extra help? I was in here last night and refilling the pews with the connect cards. I got about halfway through and said, man, it would be nice if I had somebody here to help me. Every time that I had to bend down to put one of those things in, I was thinking, I hate pews. We had chairs, I could just throw them down. But there are times in our life that there are obstacles that come to us that we cannot overcome. There are things in your life that you cannot conquer. And you need the help of the Holy Spirit. There's things in in your life that I can't help you fix. I can't help you get through. There's things in your life that you don't have what it takes to get through. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says this, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There's challenges in your life that you're going to face that you cannot overcome. But you can with the help of the Holy Spirit. You may be sitting there right now. And you may be having 
relationship problems. You may be having marriage problems. You may be having financial difficulties. And you're sitting there thinking, there is absolutely no way that I'm ever going to get through this. And on your own, you're right. You can't. But if we can ever get to a point that we admit that we can't and that we need help. You ever had those people in your life that they were stubborn? They didn't want help? Oh, I can do it. I can do it. And you're looking at him thinking, no, you can't. No, you can't. But they just keep going. So many times it's like that in our lives. We come up against something and we're standing face to face with it. And we think, I can get through this. I can conquer this. I can change this situation. I can fix this situation. I got reminded of that just this week. Had a situation. Something that was going on. I text somebody. I said, this is what's going on. They knew of the situation. What do we need to do? And they text me back and they said, we can't fix it. The only thing that we can do is ask for the Holy Spirit to come in like a flood and fix it. And I'm sitting there looking at that text message thinking, I'm supposed to be the one saying this stuff. So what do we do? We just stopped. We just prayed. Holy Spirit, move into their lives. Change this situation. And I can promise you it was less than 10 minutes. It's something I had been dealing with for hours. Waiting for a response. Within 10 minutes, the situation had calmed. And I got a message. Isn't God good? But it takes us emptying ourselves of ourselves and to stop thinking that we can fix it. Holy Spirit, help me in my helpless moment. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says this. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we do not know what God wants us to pray for. It's just an example. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. There's times we don't know what to pray for. There's times that we don't know what choice to make. There's times that, that we can't fight. 
There's times that we don't have the answer. But if we can decide that what I'm facing is beyond me and I don't know how to. I don't know how to. There's a person, the Holy Spirit, who will help you. There's a Holy Spirit that can change you and work in your life on the inside. The first quality of being a disciple or being more than a believer is being passionately committed to Him. And that's the most important message to the unbeliever. But once He is your Lord, you need to realize that you need the Holy Spirit working in your life to be able to live a victorious Christian life, to be a disciple and not a believer. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the first question I want to ask this morning, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is He the Lord of your life? Maybe you have never made that commitment. Maybe you have never asked Christ to come into your life. That's the first step. Becoming committed to Him. If you're here this morning and that's you, you can just slip up your hand. And wait just a moment. Thank you. Anyone else? I need Him to come into my life. Maybe you were following after Him and you say, I... Like that prodigal son, I need to come home. I need to get back on the path. I need to understand who I am in Him and what I have rights to. And His feeling for me. Anyone else? How many people would say, Pastor, I'm doing my best to follow after Him. Man, there are some days. I'm doing my best. But I'm facing some obstacles that I can't see an answer to. And I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried to work it out on my own. I've tried all my solutions, the things that... that People tell me, or but but I need I need something to change. I'm tired of this roller coaster ride. I'm tired of feeling like that God loves me on Monday, but by Wednesday He doesn't. I'm tired of trying to change self on my things on my own. I'm tired of trying to work it out. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to ask everybody to stand.
you raised your hand or even if you didn't, then you know that God is not the Lord of your life. You've never asked Him to come into your heart. Number one is a very simple thing to do. Number two, something so simple can change your life forever. If you raised your hand this morning and you said, I've never made a decision to follow after Him. I may have been doing all the right religious things, but I've never truly committed to Him. That's the first thing we're going to do. As they begin to sing, and as you just reverently bow your head, if you raised your hand, I want to give you an opportunity. walk to this front and let let me pray for you and let me witness you make that great decision that's you you raised your hand now's the time to change your life forever you say is there anything special about walking down front taking that step saying I don't care what anybody thinks I'm going to follow after him but the awesome thing is is you are around people that will celebrate as we wait just a moment